Cool. How are you guys? Good? Alive? Grab your Bibles. We're talking about uh, another person or looking at another time in which someone got to meet Jesus. So grab your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of John, all right? Meeting Jesus. You guys are taking notes. Um, The woman who had no name, right? That's what this morning's all about. There's a, a woman in the Gospel of John who we will never know her name, but you got to sit down and have an incredible conversation with Jesus, okay? John, specifically chapter 4. Um, man, you guys all rested from camp? No, I'm not. I'm like, oh, I'm still tired. Still got a bug bite or two. Still got visions of rattlesnakes in my head. The craziness. Um, but cool. John chapter 4, all right? You guys there? Before we get into it, you guys have any questions on anything? Yes, sir. Broom hockey. Uh, like... Pants and tennis shoes. Probably a sweatshirt. Yes, sir. There's three spots, but they're going to go quick, so it might come down to like arm wrestling or something. I don't know. Cheeky. Yes, ma'am. We're going to show them what up. Cool. Um, all right. John chapter 4. Yes, sir. A camp video. At this moment, we do not have a camp video. Uh, there's a good chance there may not be a camp video. Um, if, okay, how about this? How many of you guys took pictures at camp with your phones or some form of a camera? Okay, a lot of you guys. If you took pictures, send them to me, and we'll see if we can compile some kind of crazy wild camp video. Yes. Videos. Yes, uh, sorry, I just had all kinds of different pot- potential videos you guys might have taken at camp. So videos, pictures, anything you guys have in the form of media, like email it to me, send it to me, um, and we'll see what we can pull together. Duke? I got some. We have some. I just don't have a ton. We only used it that one day, and that was it. So, um, All right. So yeah, email it to me. We'll be good. Cool. Questions? The other thing, how many of you guys are like, you know what, sometime this year, I, I want to share my faith. Before June of 2015, I want to share my faith with somebody. Is that, all right. Cool. All right. Well, your opportunities start very soon. In September, we're going to be back uh, either at the skate park or in the shops. Uh, so it's just about three weeks away. So be practicing those four R's we gave you guys. Be memorizing, be in your word, be in prayer. We're going to go after the community and share Jesus and be a light. And so... Uh, Make sure you guys are getting ready, all right? Biggest thing is prayer and being your word. So we'll, we'll give you guys more information in the near, near, near future, but September we're going to get out there and uh, go evangelize, all right? You guys there? John chapter 4? Yeah? All right. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning probably more than we'd recognize. We ask right now, Lord, that as you met with this woman and Lord, had a conversation that has taught generation after generation after generation. God, that you would not pass us over, but Lord, that you would teach us this morning. God, that you would reveal to us truth, that you would convict us if we're in sin. Lord, that you would encourage us if we are broken. God, that you would direct our steps if we're in darkness. But Lord, this morning that we would learn from you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, you guys ever walk by something and not notice it? Yeah? You guys ever have? Yeah, you have? You have too? 
You ever been looking for something and you look and look and look and look only to find out that it's been in your hand the whole time? Okay. That's a a humiliating thing that's happened to you. You guys have any any crazy stories about walking by something that whether you were looking for, yeah? Ten minutes looking for your phone that was in your hand, right? You probably found it when you went to call it. What up? I forgot I had my glasses on. You forgot you had your glasses on. All right. Yes. You grabbed it, but you didn't know, so you just kept digging. All right. You're trying to find the hat that was on your head. Every one of us have a story of something, whether it's uh, mom's keys or your pencil or a pair of sunglasses or a hat on your head, something going on that we walk right by it or it's right in front of us and we miss it. What's going on right here in this story with Jesus in John chapter 4 is he meets with a woman by a well. You know her as the woman by the well, all right? Uh, That's about as famous as she ever got, although it addresses so many different things. And they're sitting here. It's a very famous well. It's still intact. You can go see it's dried up, uh, but it's still there. It is very real. Uh, It is very tangible. And it is a place in which Jesus had ordained to meet with this lady. It is an incredible moment, but she almost missed it. And I wonder, even this morning, was thinking through, Lord, how many times have I walked right by you and not noticed? How many times do we pass by people completely unaware of who they are? How many times do we walk by the very answer that we've been looking for or the very uh, solution to our problem? It happens often. What's amazing about this story, though, uh, they're at the well, and this is a common place to go to get water for the day, and this is a fairly normal situation. Jesus does some very abnormal things. Take a look at John chapter 4, starting in verse 3. It says, he left Judah and departed again to Galilee. So he's on a journey, and he's long walk. Verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which he is called Sikar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. To them, the sixth hour was noon, it's 12 o'clock. Their days don't start at midnight like ours do. They start at sunrise. And so the sun comes up, the time starts ticking. They've been walking for a very, very, very long time. It's high noon, the sun is up, it's hot, the disciples have gone in. But there's a key word that we pass by, so that Jesus needed to go there. Jesus needed to. Why? To camp out next to a well? Not at all. There was a specific purpose that Jesus had that day. He was on his way to Galilee. He had a future plan, but there's something he had to do first. What was it? He had to get to this city to meet with these people. Look at verse 41. We'll look at the the whole reason why Jesus was there, but then we're going to back up and look at how it all began. Verse 41, it says, And many more believed because of his own word. Jesus is talking to the whole town at the end of this chapter. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. Jesus knew I need to get to these people. I need to go to this town and I need to sit down and I need to begin a new work. This morning, God is coming, and he is here, and he's been waiting, and he wants to meet with every single one of you. And what's amazing, at the end of this chapter, it begins with one meeting with one woman, and by the end of it, 
multiple people are coming to Jesus saying, we know it, and now we believe he is the Savior of the world. But it began with one conversation. It began with one meeting. Jesus isn't just concerned about the big, gigantic outreaches. He isn't just concerned about the gigantic miracles that draw tens and thousands of people. He is more concerned with the individual soul than he is with the masses. And so this whole thing, he doesn't bypass this woman at the well and go straight into the city. In fact, he does the very opposite. He sits down next to the well, and he is waiting for her. Now, the background of Samaria, you'll find out in a minute. Uh, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along very well. They didn't talk very much. Uh, They disagreed on some pretty big things. Uh, You guys know Jesus was Jewish, yeah? I hope you know that. Jesus was Jewish, uh, and so he would have held to not only the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, but he also would have believed in the rest of the Old Testament, the major prophets, the minor prophets, all this stuff going on. Well, Samaritans, they believed in the first five books also, but then they disregarded the rest of the Old Testament. Uh, They would have kind of come up with some of their own rules, their own laws, their own beliefs, and so they would have started off in the same place. They would have wandered fairly far from what Jesus would have believed. And because of this, there was always contentions and arguments and strife and fighting and uh, just uh, different beliefs rarely mixed together very well. And it's funny, it's not that different than where we live now. There are a lot of religions that claim to be rooted in Christianity. There's a lot of people who claim that we worship the same God. There's a lot of people who say that we're just like they are, but they're wrong. You can't take the Bible and change it and then claim to be the same. Can you guys think of any religions that start off sounding a lot like Christianity, but by the end of it are very, very, very different? Think about it. Our city is full of them. What do you think of them? You guys know? Yeah. Jehovah's Witness, huge, gigantic. They believe, right? They say, oh, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in heaven, and we got the Bible. Look at I got a Bible. And you're like, whoa, it's like the same thing, except it's not. That if you continue to talk to them, they believe in so many different things that the Jesus they're talking about is not the same Jesus that we're talking about. That the heaven they're talking about is not the same heaven that the Bible describes. That the world that we're living in and will continue to live in is not exactly the same thing that they're talking about. Jehovah's Witness, it sounds like Christianity, but it is totally different. It's disguised. What were you going to say? Mormonism. I grew up and I was completely just dumb to what Christianity really was, right? There was Christmas and Easter, Bible and church. That was what Christianity was. And anyone that believed in Christmas and Easter and Bible and church, well, it must be Christianity, right? And I had a ton of friends who were Mormons. They're super sweet, super nice, super good people. If you ever need a good friend, call up a Mormon, all right? Uh, but here's the deal. They're not who you're supposed to share your deepest, darkest secrets with. They're not who you're supposed to, quote-unquote, fellowship with. They're not who you're supposed to lock arms and partner life with. Why? Because if you look into it, very, very, very different. Do they go to church? Yeah, even on Sundays. Whoa. Do they have a Bible? Sure do. It even says the Bible on it. Whoa. Do they believe in Jesus? Sure do. Kind of. Different Jesus. Their Jesus is not the same Jesus of the Bible. Their heaven is not the same heaven as the Bible. Their gospel is not the same gospel as the Bible. Different. What else? Uh, Catholicism or Catholics. It, is there, it starts off so close and is so interwoven in so many areas, but there are some vast differences. Their perspective on salvation, how you get to heaven, is very, very different. 
crazy. What else? There's one more big one around. Yeah, Islam, Muslims. You can, they'll talk to you about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau, and they'll talk to you about Noah, and they'll talk to you. I mean, they might know your Old Testament better than you do, which is kind of humiliating because then they take things and change it up, but you can't really recognize it because you don't know the truth, so you just assume they're telling it. I've never been more confused in my life than talking to people who have a very similar religion, but it's totally different. It's easy. Go talk to a Buddhist. You'll know. Like, he's not trying to pretend to be Christian, or he doesn't think he's Christian. You can go talk to you know, uh, some sci-fi crazy weirdo person, and uh, there's no mistaking it. But there are so many things that some come so close to the Word of God. They lay this similar foundation, but by the end of the journey, they're going to be way, way off track. In the very same way, Jesus going through Samaria here and meeting with this woman who was a Samaritan was very, very uncommon. This was not a normal circumstance because they would have disagreed on a lot of things. Do you think that Jesus only cares about people who agree with him? No, not at all. In fact, Jesus cares probably most about the people who disagree with him. He probably cares the most about people who are stuck in darkness. He probably cares the most about people who have been led astray. And so he goes into the very town that most people, even though it would take longer, they would travel around Samaria to get to Galilee because they just didn't want to deal with it and put up with it. How many times in our lives do we walk around a situation or a person because we just don't want to deal with it? I'll say, I do it. I do it. We've all done it. Whether it's a person or something happens in a relationship or it's a whatever. Instead, we just walk around it instead of meeting it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not at war with these people. I'm on a mission to save these people. What if we took our wars that we're in in life, and instead of thinking we have to fight everyone and prove ourselves right, we bring the love and the compassion of Christ to show them what is truth. Our life is not supposed to be based upon proving ourselves right, but revealing truth. And Jesus says, verse 3, he left Judah and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came again, or he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, uh, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. This is a very important thing. Je- this whole land was considered to be very religious. They inherited it way back from the gaining of the promised land. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. All right. Who was waiting for who? We're going to find out in a minute. A woman comes walking up the road and, and sits down, and she's got her jug to dip down in the water and pull it back up and Who was waiting for who? Was she waiting for Jesus or was Jesus waiting for her? Jesus was waiting for her. I wonder how often we're asking God to do something. Lord, do something in my life. Do something big in my life. Help me out. Lead me. Guide me. Show me truth. Do something. I want to be used by you. And we feel like, you guys ever feel like you're waiting on the Lord to move? You're just, come on, God, do something. Help me out here. I feel like that a lot sometimes. But I wonder how often when we feel like we're waiting on him, he's really been waiting on us. He's like, hey, I'm ready when you are. What's taking you so long? I've got plans, and I have a future, and I have a hope, and I have some pretty incredible things that will blow your mind. Your eye has never seen it. Your ear has never heard it. Your heart has never dreamt of the things that I have in store for you if you would just love me. 
as we're not waiting on God as much as God sometimes is waiting on us. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And he says, I'm going to go there and I'm going to wait for you. What if Jesus would have had to wait all night long? Would he have waited? Yeah. What if he would have had to wait a week for her? Would he have waited? Yes. He's been waiting. For some of you guys, he's been waiting 13 years. For some of us, we've just gotten off track. He's been waiting a few days. But right now, the Lord is waiting for you. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Is it possible to miss what God has for the moment? You guys think you can miss what God has for the moment? Is it possible? Yes? No? How do you guys say, like, yeah, it is possible to miss out on what God has? How do you guys are aware that school starts, for most of you, in like two and a half, three weeks? Like, oh, man. I know. It's a bummer. Yeah, if you're smart and learn stuff and not stay stupid, it's a bummer, right? I mean, just, I hate that. I wish I could just be sucking my thumb and picking my nose my whole life. Um, all right. But here's the deal. Do you think maybe God has a plan for this school year? Have you guys think that God has a very specific plan for your life this year? How many of you guys are like, I'm not sure? Okay, fair enough. How many of you guys are like, I'm actually convinced God does not have a plan for my life? All right, fair enough. The Bible makes it clear God has a plan. Ephesians chapter 2, you can read it. Psalms chapter 139. Some of you ladies know it really well now. Jeremiah 29. Read them. God has a plan, but can you miss out on what God is doing? The answer is yes. He'll never force you to follow him. He'll wait for you, and he'll wait a long time, but in those days you may miss what's going on. In Luke chapter 19, it's going to read the beginning and the end. You can read the whole thing later, but it starts off, now as he drew near, he's going to Jerusalem. This is as he's going to be crucified. Everything's crazy going on at the end of the Gospels. He's about to become that sacrifice. Now as he drew near, he saw the city, that's Jerusalem, and he wept over it. He was broken. What would cause Jesus to break down crying? Right, we see this strong man who's about to drag a cross up a hill and have his flesh ripped from his body and never give in. And he, he fought off Satan, right, last time we were together in the wilderness, and he provided food. I mean, this is a gnarly carpenter, man. This is God. What would cause him to break down crying looking over the city? He goes on, if you had only known. If you would have known. And he goes on, look. Destruction is coming. The end of your time is near because you did not know the time of your visitation. He's broken because the people whom he came to save loved the darkness more than the light. Just like we hold that keys in our hands or that phone or the hat is on our head, how many times do we walk by and pass by Jesus? Well, this is awesome, because Jesus doesn't wait. Jesus doesn't wait for this woman to reach out to him. He reaches out to her. He's not just sitting there like, I hope she notices me. Guys, and God's been waiting and waiting, and when he's done waiting, he'll begin calling. He'll call out to you. It may be in an uncommon way. It may be in a way that we're not used to or necessarily aware of, but he will call out to you. He called out to her. Look at John chapter 4. Starting in verse 7, it says, Now, right, he's been waiting there by the well. He's tired. 
a woman of Samaria came to draw near, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is very deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our fathers, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, speaking of the well, you're going to get thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And he pauses. He calls out to her. He's, she doesn't come by and like, oh, hello, sir. How are you today? Would you like uh, ice cold water, lukewarm water, or hot water? Can I help you? Uh, she wasn't there to serve him. She wasn't on fire for Jesus. She wasn't necessarily safe. She was religious, right? We just see like she knows all about the traditions of the land. She says, are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than this land? Are you greater than those who gave us this well? You don't know anything. And so she obviously has some kind of understanding about religious traditions. She has some kind of understanding about the background of the place. And she says, you don't even have a pitcher or a rope. How can you give me anything? Jesus says, look, give me a drink. Did he want a drink? Yeah. He's thirsty. He's tired. But notice he never asks again. He just wanted her attention. He waited for her. Now he's calling out to her. In the same way that Jews would have no dealings with Samaritans. right? They're just different. They disagree. They're off track. In the same way that Jews would have no dealings with Samaritans, yet here is Jesus talking to this woman. She's even dumbfounded. Like, how is it you're talking to me? You're asking me, what's going on? You're breaking all the normal code, man. How is it that God, holy, perfect, righteous, true, loving, and merciful, would talk to a desperate, poor, dark, wicked sinner? Us. It should blow our minds that God would ever even acknowledge us or that God would wait for us or that God would call out to us. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. It's a, 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 you guys know what a yoke is? Like, Jesus was a chef and made omelets? Like, what is this? No. Yoke's a big piece of wood that they would strap to either two mules uh, or two ox or something so that they could together pull a heavier load in a straighter direction. Jesus says, hey, why don't you unlash your burdens of the world and come and join me in what I'm doing? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God being holy and righteous, he is perfect 
in love and truth. Before we were saved, we're full of sin and wickedness and selfishness. We don't have any concept of truth. And yet, in the same way, this woman's like, what? Are you, you're talking to me? The reality that God would step out of eternity and into time, that he would subject himself to the pains of this world, is absolutely amazing. And he says, look, why would God do that? Because he's gentle. Because he's lowly in heart. Over and over and over again, read the Bible, read the Gospels, find out how many times Jesus looked on someone with the word compassion. It comes up over and over and over again, whether they're broken or they're in need or they're lost or they're sinners. He looked and he had compassion or he looked on them with compassion. The very word compassion, you can throw the definition up, uh, it means to be moved as to one's bowels. You're like, what are your bowels? Do you guys know what your bowels are? What are your bowels? Your intestines, right? Your guts. You have your big intestine, your little intestine, your stomach, your liver, your gallbladder, whatever the heck that is. Like, right? You have all this stuff in there. And Jesus says that he was moved with compassion. That his, does that mean he had gas? Like, gurgle, gurgle, blah, 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 blah. Like, what does that mean? Do you have heartburn for them? Not necessarily. What does it mean? You'll find out. Have you guys ever seen someone and just been absolutely broken on the inside? You've never seen someone who's been maybe abused or starved? You've never seen anyone mistreated? You guys haven't watched the news lately, what's going on around the world to other Christians? You guys are aware, yeah? Christianity is not popular in other countries right now. People are being killed because of it. Little kids being put to death because they belong to a Christian family. And we look at that and just be like, whatever, it's not America. There's no way. He says that Jesus was moved with compassion. We use the phrase all the time, right? I love you with all of my heart. Wait, your heart? What does that mean? It's an attempt to express an emotion that cannot be expressed. Jesus says, I am full of grace and abounding in mercy, that I am gentle and lowly in heart, and that when he sees the desperate or the broken or the lost, that he is moved with compassion. It's awesome. When Jesus calls us, when he talks to this woman, you ever go somewhere and forget someone's name? So glad there's always one person who will know my name, Jesus, right? You go somewhere and you're like, hey, man, right? What's up, dude? Like, you guys ever have that? Not with Jesus, you don't. He's not like, hey, I'm here to answer your prayer, brother. Like, like, what is it? No, no, no. He calls us by name. That when he talks to us, it's directly, and it is to you. It is to your heart. At times, it is like an arrow to the center of your soul. It is amazing. And he calls to her, and he says, give me a drink. The disciples had gone away to buy him food, verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Completely confused. But then Jesus turns, he says, Look, if you knew the gift of God, what does that mean? If he says, If you knew the gift of God, what does that mean she doesn't know? The gift of God. 
if you knew the gift of God, implying you don't know the gift of God. And he says, and who it is who is talking to you, what does that mean? She doesn't know who's talking to her. Just some guy, she is unaware of the gift of God. He says, you would have asked, and he would, or you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. And she goes crazy, right? What are you talking about? You can't get water, nothing. And then he says, look, the water that you want, you're going to get thirsty again. It's a hot day. It's only noon. You're going to want more water later. As you're going to come back, you're going to lower your well, you're going to pull it back in. Isn't that exactly how the world is? No matter what it is or how much fun we think we have, you always want to have more fun later. Even if you went to camp and right, had no TV, no video games for like a whole week, what happened when you got home? TV and video games and whatever it was, or it was your book, or it was your phone, right? It's exactly, we have to go back to it, and back to it, and back to it. And Jesus says, the water that you're getting, it only satisfies temporarily. What I give, not only will it quench you for all of eternity, but it's going to continue to well up inside of you and create more and more and more and more. Imagine going to like a little village. This would be awesome. It's impossible, but it'd be awesome. A little village down in like South America somewhere where they have to either dig a well or they go down to the river and they get water and they bring it back. And then you just kick over a bush and it's a fire hydrant. You're like, what is that? You're like, watch this. You just uncap it. What? No more 10-mile walk to the water? What is this? This is crazy. It's amazing. Jesus is telling this woman who's never seen running water. They didn't have it, right? They didn't have running water. They didn't have faucets. They didn't get to flush their toilets and see it go around and around, right? This was a completely unheard of, an unending source of water. Maybe a waterfall would be the closest example if she's ever seen one. And he says, no, what will come out of your life will be an unending, unstoppable source of life. That's it. She, she bypasses everything Jesus just said. If you knew the gift of God, she doesn't talk about that. If you knew who was talking to you, she's like, I don't really care who you are. I just want the living water. How many times do we go straight for God's promises without knowing the God who promised them? We want all of God's blessings. We do. I do. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I would love his blessings in my life. Peace, comfort, boldness, courage. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Provision for my family and protection and all of these different things. A faith that's immovable and no shakable. And it's just awesome stuff. And we want all of God's promises, but we don't focus on the one who promised them. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, she blows right by that, 100 miles an hour. And if you knew the one who's talking to you, right past that, how do I get this living water? Jesus stops and he has to back her up a little bit. This last part we'll spend just a couple of minutes on, but he begins to back up. Oh, hold on, pull on the brakes. We've got to start back at the beginning. He puts the brakes on and he begins to go back and reveal to her the truths that she had missed, the ones that matter the most. Because you cannot have living water without the living Savior. It's impossible. Truth about who we are. John chapter 4, verse 16. She just said in verse 15, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Go get your husband, bring him back. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, In fact, you have said 
Well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. How did you know this? She's sitting there. They've never talked, hanging out by what Jesus is waiting for her. Then Jesus calls to her. Now Jesus is going to begin to reveal things to her. Not about just the promises, but the promiser. And the first thing he does is say, hey, why don't you go call your husband? What's he doing? Pointing out her problems. He's pointing out her problems. Pointing out her reputation, probably. When she walked through the city, it's like, oh, man, there, there goes Susie or whatever. We don't know her name. I don't know. Diane? I don't know. Pick a name. Wellina. And she's, hey, dude, did you hear? Yeah, man, her and Johnny are dating again. Like, what? Dude, she's been married five times, and they didn't die. They all divorced her. What's wrong with that lady? Right? She's got a crazy reputation. She can't keep a husband around, or maybe she keeps running around on him and leaving him, but at some point, for some reason, she's been married five times and divorced five times, and now she's with a guy who's not even her husband. Jesus says, look, we've got to focus on something here. She says, give me the water. He's not ignoring her. He's not pushing her off. He's just backing up to the beginning. You want the living water? I'm giving it to you. But first, we've got to make some room. Guys, God wants to put inside you a life that is to be lived out in more abundance than you could ever know. But there's not enough room for Jesus and this world. There's not enough room for the things of God and the things of this earth. It's one or the other. And he says, hey, why don't you call your husband? She says, oh, I'm not married. He says, you're right. You've been married, though, five times and divorced five times, and the guy you're with is not your husband. She's like, oh, my gosh. How did you know that? You've got to be of God. It's like, well, (laughs) actually, remember the second question? Right? If you would have known who was talking to you, in fact, actually, I am God, but we'll get to that in a minute. You guys ever feel like your sin is just boiling up inside of you? Not that you just want to commit sins, but the things you just hate in your life are rising to the surface. You can't shake them off or make them go away. I believe with my whole heart, that's when God's ready to scoop them right off the top of your life and begin a new work. When all the junk begins to become unsettled and it begins to rise up, let the Lord remove it. He brings it up to her. She's blown away, completely out of her mind. Psalms chapter 139. You got one of these little fancy tab things. Throw it in John 4. We'll be right back. But flip over to Psalms 139. Some of you got this memorized by now, but that's all right. Maybe not the first couple verses. The truth about who we are. Does the Lord know who we are? So well. He knows us by name. He's counted the hairs on your head. He knows the beating of your heart. He knows when your bowels move. He knows all of it. <laughs> he knows all of it. Look at just the first few verses. Psalms 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar off, and you comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. 
For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Even the things you cannot express, God understands. You have hedged or you've protected me from behind and before me, and you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. It's amazing. It says, Lord, you've searched me. You know me. You know my rising up and my sitting down. You know the beginning and the end of my day. You are the author and the finisher of my faith, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. You're it. For this lady, he wasn't preaching fire, right? You've been divorced five times, and so you'll burn five times. Like, it's not, that's not what's going on. He says, you know what? You've got a problem, lady. There's something in your life we've got to work out of you. Guys, whatever those things are floating on the surface, let them go. If you want to see God move, you've got to go after God. If you want to see God move, you've got to move some things and let them in. He reveals the truth about who we are. It's exactly what he just did to this lady. And then the truth about what we believe. The next couple of verses, starting in verse 20. John chapter 4, flip it back. Boom. You guys use that little fancy tassel thing, right? Boom. You like that? The woman said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she goes on. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews, all of a sudden she gets religious, right? She blows by the gift of God. She blows by Jesus who's talking to her and just wants the water. Jesus says, oh, okay, hold on. You want the water? I'm going to give it to you. But we've got to make some room first. You've got some sin. Let's get it out. Let's just air it out. Let's remove it. Let's deal with it. And then she gets onto the topic of worship. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, verse 20. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. Some background, they were basically in this constant debate about where you were supposed to worship God. Was it Jerusalem or was it this mountain in Samaria? And they would go back and forth. I'm right, no, I'm right, I'm right, no, I'm right. Look, at this point, it's only the people who live according to the Bible that are right. Jesus is going to, again, reveal something to her. The Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You, you worship what you do not know. Is it possible to worship what you don't know? Yeah, it is. Is it possible to go to church your whole life, to sing a song, to carry a Bible, and to not know God. Yes. Right? She believed in the beginning of the story, the first five books, like the Samaritans did. But the rest of it, ah, and they changed some traditions, and now they find, no, this is where you worship God, even though the Old Testament says, no, Jerusalem is where you ought to worship God. And they were at odds with each other. He says, look, you, you worship an idea in your head that you don't even understand. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews. said, we got it. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He says, you think God is confined to a place? Says the time is coming, and it is in fact now that our faith is not confined to a building or some geographical location. Let it go. You think that church is the only place you act like a Christian? You've been fully deceived. You think this is the only place that we can worship God? You have been fully deceived. 
uh, look at Acts. Flip over. Keep your little right tab there and over to Acts. I almost said the Gospel of Acts. It's not. Just the book of Acts, chapter 7. It's like, what, maybe 15, 20 pages over? Acts chapter 7. man named Stephen or Stephen, depending on how you pronounce it, he got killed for saying this uh, to the Jewish people. They believe it's in the temple in Jerusalem. This is where you worship. This is where God is. And Jesus says, I'm telling you, now is the time. It goes way beyond the walls of the church. You are supposed to be walking around like that uncapped fire hydrant, proclaiming the word, the love, and the light of Christ. Acts 7, verse 49. Find it. Verse 49. Actually, start in verse 48. However, the Most High God, He does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophets says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? God says, are you kidding? You think I'm confined to a building? He says, heaven? That's my throne. The earth is where I rest my feet. Uh, that's about as far as we can see, apparently, because I don't know where the rest of him is, but apparently it's even farther than that. He is huge, and he cannot be confined to an idea or a faith that only lives within the walls of a building. Jesus says, I'm telling you right now, it's not on this mountain. In fact, both of these mountains, this is where he puts his right foot, this is where he puts his left foot. It's just earth. You're like a grasshopper in his sight. He sits above the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne. He's huge, and he's very involved. You must worship him in spirit and in truth, just not in location only. But what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? In spirit, it means your mind and your heart. It's not like it's mystical, spiritual, and get the fog machine out, okay? That's not what it means. To worship in spirit, it means that it is your heart and your mind agreeing, God is it. He is it. That what you do, you do out of a love for the Lord, and it's more than song. Can you worship him with your money? Can you worship God with your money? Yeah, you can. You don't have to burn it or throw it at the worship leaders. You don't have to stuff it in the guitar where they're playing or put a hat down. That's not how you do it. This is what it looks like. You guys ever gone uh, into McDonald's and some guy is outside asking for money? Right? Whoa, where'd he come from? Kind of like the woman at the well. Whoa, where'd you come from? Would it kill you to lose $2? Or better yet, a cheeseburger. Who needs to eat four cheeseburgers, right? Wouldn't kill you. Wouldn't kill you to help out a friend sometimes. Or to make it your mission that before Christmas you're going to find someone at your school that is in help. You got, oh man, it's wild. Years ago we sat down with uh, some board members for your schools, the Chino Valley School District, and they began to tell us things. On average, I think 10% of the people that go to your local schools don't get to eat dinner and oftentimes breakfast. They're too poor. They can't afford it. They get free lunch from the school, and some of them come super early to get breakfast because if they didn't, there's no other way for them to get breakfast. And they go home, and lunch is the last meal they would have eaten. What about Saturday and Sunday? Either they don't eat, or they save up their money to be able to eat together on the weekends. We're not talking about Africa or going down to South America. We're talking about Canyon Hills, Briggs, Magnolia, Townsend, Ramona. You can go to Diamond Bar. It's probably the same thing. Or up into Pomona or Ontario. 
Is it worship if you buy someone a cheeseburger? If you do it for the Lord, it is. If you, is it worship if you buy a kid a jacket because you know it's raining and he hasn't had one in a long time? If you're doing it because you love the Lord, it is worship. But don't think just doing good things translates to worship. You can become a Boy Scout. You can become, uh, what, a Brownies or a Daisy or a Girl Scout. You can join some kind of crazy effort and take purified water to areas of mass destruction. If it's not for the Lord, you're wasting your resources. If it's for the Lord, it is worship. He says, you must worship me in spirit, and it must be truth. It's not an image thing. It's not a momentary thing. It is what you live for. Our worship costs. So she says, look, give me this water. Forget the gift of God. Forget who you are. I want the living water. And Jesus says, all right, cool, let's do it. You got some sin in your life. How'd you know that? What about worship? Tell me, you say it's over in Jerusalem. I'm telling you it's here. And Jesus says, man, can you put that aside for a moment? God's bigger than this stuff. Heaven and his throne, earth is his footstool. Our worship, forget the location. It's in your life that you worship. And then he reveals himself. Verse 25, then the woman said to him, I know that Messiah means the anointed one or the promised and expected deliverer of the Jewish people. He says, I know the Savior. I know he is coming. He is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. He says, I know the Savior is coming. She says, I know it. I know. I, I read at least the first five books, and so I know God's coming. I know the Messiah is coming. I know they will call him the Christ. It's the same word for the Savior. Christ was not Jesus' last word. It was his description. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And look what Jesus does. He says to her, I who am speaking to you, I'm him. This is the first time in the entire Bible that Jesus reveals who he is to anybody. The disciples he hadn't told yet. Pilate, definitely not. The masses, nope, not yet, no one. Who got to find out first that Jesus was the savior of the world? A woman with no name and a bad reputation with a messed up religion. Jesus was waiting for her. Jesus called to her and Jesus revealed himself to her. Today, this morning, right now, guys, we're gonna worship I pray that our worship is in spirit and in truth, but it goes beyond the walls of this place. But this morning, if you're like, man, I want God's blessings. I see the joy of the Lord, or I see his strength, or I know what he has promised, a future and a hope. You can't have God's blessings without God. It's impossible. Let him take out the sin. Let him remove the reputation. Let him give you the truth. But follow Jesus, right? Let's pray. Father, this morning, what I would confess first, there's no doubt things in our lives that have to go. If it's an ego, if it's jealousy, if it's 
bitterness, if it's lust, if it's whatever it is. Lord, there's no doubt, sometimes you point out the things that hurt a little bit. I'm going to pray those right now that are hurting in this room, Father, you'd comfort them like crazy. God, that you would meet them in that little plastic chair they're sitting in. God, that if you would wait for a woman in the burning hot noonday sun, Lord, no doubt this morning you've been waiting for us. Lord, those in here this morning that they've heard your call, they know your voice, but maybe they haven't bowed to you yet. They've been looking over the fence, but they haven't responded. Lord, this morning, would today be the day of salvation? If that's you guys right now, you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't know what this year is going to be like, but right now I know I need the Lord. Respond to Him. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Confess your sins to Him. Believe in your heart that He is Lord, that God has raised Him from the dead, and you shall be saved. That's between you and Jesus right now, right? You guys need prayer. We're gonna, why don't you guys all stand up? We're going to worship in spirit and in truth. You can raise your hands. You can kneel on the floor. You can scoot to the back if you need to. But our worship will be in spirit and in truth this morning. But if you need prayer for something, grab a leader. If there's stuff going on, let's talk.